Hey, this is Evan Marcotte, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, your personal trainer for love, welcoming you back. Welcoming you back to the Love You podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about dating, relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. Today we're talking about 13 questions to ask before you get married, but before we do, I wanna give you a special gift. This is just for podcast listeners. You're with me right now. It is two weeks free in Love You. I love You is my six-month video curriculum. It's everything I know in one place. It's my proudest achievement on this planet besides my wife and kids. And I'm giving you two weeks there specifically on confidence, how to get over the pain in your past, how to date with joy and optimism. Um, and I want you to get access to the same material that thousands of women have already gotten. This is accessible if you just go to www.evanmarkcats.com forward slash free dash trial. Um, and enjoy two free weeks in Love You. I'll circle back to that at the end. This is one of the, gonna be one of those podcasts where you should be taking notes because there's some good stuff headed your way. I often get asked about my happy marriage um, because I am. Very few people talk about dating relationships for a living. Uh, very few people are as evangelical about marriage or their own marriage and speak so highly of their spouse as I do. Um, you know, and, and people, people, probably even you, want to know what, what does it take to find a, a, a long-term partner? How am I going to make a decision that's going to lead me to 40 years of happiness? It seems like every decision I made in the past has been a bad decision. I second-guess myself. I don't trust my own judgment. Every time I like a guy, something turns out to be wrong. On and on and on. And I often say that if you married my wife, you'd be happy too, which is, again, is not really a pat on my back as much as my wife is what I call the typo wife. She can get along with everybody and she has the traits that are uh, universally uh, considered good for partners. She's easygoing, she's happy, she's warm, she's, uh, she's sane, um, she's loyal, she's generous, she's giving. So, so choose, a, choose a man or a woman like that and you're, you're, you're halfway there already, almost regardless of anything else. Um, but I think there was a, I read something in the New York Times, it was by a woman named Eleanor Stanford, and she put together this elegant list of 13 questions to ask before you get married. And I just thought that they were simple and genius because again, everybody is trying to avoid wasting time on the wrong person. I don't want to get hurt. How could I tell at the beginning if the, if the guy's going to be a narcissist? Or I spent three years with someone and I didn't know until we got married that we had so many problems. Or, so everybody wants to avoid that future pain and be able to figure things out right away. I don't think what I'm going to give you over the next 20, 30 minutes is going to uh, uh, save you from dating. You're not gonna be able to look at someone on the first date and be like, you're my husband. But I do think that you should listen to this entire podcast, write these things down and consider how they've applied to your previous re <clears throat> relationships or your current relationship. Um, these are 13 questions to ask and it, it may be tempting to just sit down with someone on the first date and say, okay, uh, answer this question, right? Write down the answer but that is weird. That's not the way people date. So these are things that you should know, you should keep in mind, and that should eventually become unearthed before you make a, a serious long-term commitment to someone. Um, these are not the kind of things that you ask in the first month of dating to avoid uh, wasting time on someone. These are, these are things that you ask when you're in a serious relationship or that you've observed in a serious relationship. Uh, so you get these in little pieces. It's like watching a watching a 10-part uh, miniseries where you don't exactly know where it's going, and each episode gives you a little piece of, of, of information. 
over the course of time, you make an emotional investment, and if you could handle the differences in these opinions, you have the chance to have a very, very happy relationship. If you can't, any one of these things can break you up. Um, that's how important they are. And so I, I was just so glad that someone else took the time to write these things down for you. In the first half, I'm gonna share six things. The second half, I'm gonna share seven things. And uh, I'm gonna give a little editorial comment on the 13 questions you should ask before you get married. Question number one, and again, this is courtesy of Eleanor Stanford of the New York Times. Did your family throw plates, discuss issues, or shut down over disagreements? Um, those are three separate things. Throwing plates uh, could be literal, it could be a euphemism, but um, did you come from a family where expressing extreme anger was normal? Because right? Right, we talked about this, my guys and I talked about this earlier, the fight or flight mechanism. Uh, I learned about this from Dr. Jamie Turndorf's Kiss Your Fights Goodbye. When you attack someone, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to fight back or they're going to pull away, most often. Um, and that, that precipitates even more anger and more fighting. So some people, they fight and they yell and they throw plates, metaphorically or literally, or they shut down, they withdraw. Right? They go on silent treatment mode, they give you the stink eye, they don't call you for three days. Neither is the proper form of conflict management. It's a common form of conflict management, but it's not the proper form. Couples need to discuss issues. We need to discuss issues without too much emotion. We need to discuss issues like adults. We need to discuss issues without attacking, where really you seek to understand the person in front of you, right? First seek to understand, and then you seek to be understood. Where is this person coming from, this person that I know and love? If this person disagrees with me, how could I validate Right, and see if we can negotiate our differences together. So how people manage conflict um, is, again, you could have everything on paper, but if you can't get this one thing down, uh, you might be in for a very rocky road in your relationship. Number two, will we have children and will you change diapers? I'm always amazed by the number of women who turn to me and they're in their late 30s and say, should I? go out with the guys on Match.com who say not sure about having children. And I say, well, um, if you're okay dating a guy for two years who suddenly says, yeah, I decided I don't want to have children. <laughs> if you're fine with that happening, then sure, date the not sure guys. But at the end of the day, deciding to have a family um, is is a big decision. It's going to change your life forever. I'm a dad of a five-year-old and a four-year-old, and right, like there's there's your life before and there's your life after, and there's there's like there's nothing in between. It's a, it's a, it's not just a it's not like a hobby. It's a, it's a it's a it's a, it's a life-defining thing. And so, a are you going to have children? Better be on the same page. You can't one person can't want children, the other one doesn't want children. It's going to be an inequitable relationship. And then studies show that the happiest marriages are the ones where the, the dad helps out with housework and child rearing. That includes changing diapers. So again, changing diapers is the equivalent of throwing plates. It's not about changing diapers per se. It's how present the father is going to be in doing childcare. He's not just the guy who is paying the bills and then sitting on the couch watching TV. He's actively involved in the minutia of raising children. Number three. Will our experiences with our exes help or hinder us? <clears throat> uh, another thing I always find curious, when, when people get upset when, when others talk about exes, um, I, I know I'm not representative of everybody, nor should I be. I don't think 
I'm a good fit for a lot of a lot of people out there, uh, and I'm very grateful to have a wife who puts up with me. But I'll tell you, I don't understand the secret of people who worry about exes or conversations about exes. I'm I I am an accumulation of going out with 300 women. My wife gets to benefit from me going out with 300 women. All the mistakes I made, all the things I learned, how much it makes me appreciate her and how special she is. Right. So, uh, unlike someone who's burdened by the past, right, and is angry at the women in his past, the uh, the the people who littered the first 35 years of my life. I, I see it all as a part of a great learning curve and good stories. I mean, I'm not going to write my autobiography. I don't think anybody would read it. But, but my autobiography is pretty interesting, especially when it comes to dating. And so I'm really grateful to have a wife who knows all of my stories and doesn't shy from them. She's not remotely threatened by them. Most people are threatened by other people's pasts. And furthermore, um, uh, their pasts haunt them and they hinder them, right? like, like the question says. You went out with a man who was a cheater, and then you naturally assume that men are cheaters. You went, went out with a man who was verbally or physically abusive, and you live in fear that the next guy is going to be verbally or physically abusive, even though there's no indicator that the next roll of the dice is going to be anything like the previous roll of the dice. So some people bring their past in in a negative way, and they live in fear and anxiety. And some people right, use their past to help them navigate towards a better kind of partner by learning from their own mistakes. So are you going to be the person who uh, carries your insecurity and anxiety from previous mistakes? Or is, are you going to be the person who learns from those mistakes and uses it as a, as a, as a buoy as a, as a, for confidence so that you can trust yourself in future decision making? Number four, how important is religion? How will we celebrate holidays, if at all? <clears throat> that is a very personal thing. I've talked about it here before, and um, you know um, the compromise that we made is not the compromise that I recommend that everybody make. Um, it is something that uh, not something that's, that you should be discussing on the first date, but it's it's something that you don't want to just dive into a marriage blindly, and, out of love, and then say, "Ah, oh, we're just going to work this out later." Uh, the stronger you feel about religion, the more important it is that you need to work it out. A lot of people are lapsed, indifferent. It's not a big deal. Um, and they're blenders. Right? I, I credit my friend Jonathan Astley for that term. They, you throw them anywhere and they can get along. They're the, the tofu of relationships. It'll just take on the flavor of everything around them. Uh, my my mother-in-law is very Catholic. The man she married is like, hey, you can go to church. Um, you know, I'll go with you sometimes. It's not necessarily my thing, but they work out fine, even though she is very devout. So, But if you have two people who are pulling in different directions, right? It would be the equivalent of paddling a boat in two different directions. You're not really going to get anywhere. So um, getting on the same page so that there's not some sort of low-level resentment in relationships is important. For me, I'm Jewish, but we have a Christmas tree and we go to Christmas mass um, for my mother-in-law and nobody gets hurt by it, but our identity is Jewish. Uh, my wife could live with it. I could live with it. My wife's mom, not as much. My mom's perfectly fine with it. So really it's about the two of you and being on the same page. And I know I'm rolling through this because there's 13 questions and they're all important and any one can break you up. Is your debt your debt? Would you bail me out? Um, I know I'm giving the personal spin on all of these things, but I, I, again, that's, that's, I find that fascinating, right? To, to see how I, I've navigated these 13 questions. My wife told me she was 30, 40 grand in debt nine months into our relationship. Um, she didn't tell me earlier because she was embarrassed and she knew she, I would judge her and she was right. Um, but 
when I was already in love with her, it became a little harder to extricate myself from the situation. I did not pay down her debt. What I did do was pay for everything until we got married. Right? Every, every meal, every vacation was on me so she could pay her way out of her own debt. Um, if the same thing happened today, if she spent you know, $50,000 on my credit cards um, and didn't make any money, uh, I'd be shocked if that happened. I don't know. I don't know if I would bail her out or that would be cause for divorce. I don't know. I, I haven't really thought that one through. I'll, I'll be honest with you. But uh, how people spend money, of course, is very important in relationships. And uh, I, I think you can't assume that someone is going to uh, bail you out uh, just because hypothetically he has more money, nor should he assume that you're going to bail him, him out because you have more money. Uh, we're all independent adults here at a certain age. I'm, I'm 44. I'm not looking for anybody to, to, you know, to give, me, give me a handout. Uh, and if you have a 44-year-old guy who's looking for a handout, you should probably look for a different guy. Number six, what's the most you'd be willing to spend on a car, a couch, or shoes? Now, again, it's not about a car, a couch, or shoes. Those are symbols. Those are examples of how you value things. Right? Some people value experiences. Some people value uh, things, some people value brand name things. Um, coincidentally, right, this isn't something we had to negotiate. My wife and I are experienced people. We are not thing people. We are not brand name people. Uh, I will never, ever, ever, no matter how much money I make, buy a $20,000 watch. Um, my wife does not need, apart from her wedding ring, does not need real diamonds. Like, we have a lot of things from Swarovski. Um, that is the way we roll and it works for us. We spend our money on experiences. Um, we're going to the Desert Trip concert to see Paul McCartney and the Rolling Stones and the Who um, in Palm Springs in a few weeks, which are ridiculously expensive tickets. Um, we, have, we, go to, we have play tickets, we take vacations. We're very much experiential people. Um, uh, and we have modest cars. That's not the only way to live. Right? If you find someone who's aligned with you, then that's great. Once again, this is something that people do need to be aligned on because if some guy wants to buy a $75,000 car, and that's not really in the budget. He makes the money. He has to save for college educations and retirement funds. and He makes it and he wants to spend it. And you have a, a financially conservative wife who's like, hey, we haven't saved for our 401k. We don't really need a $75,000 car. Obviously, I, you know, I'm conservative in that regard and I side with her. But... These are things that can, can also break up marriages, how people spend money. She's got an online shopping addiction. Um, our, you know, these, these things are, are no small matter. And uh, I'm going to be sharing on my blog an infographic that talks about how much, uh, how much money determines uh, relationship happiness and how many, how many ways things can go wrong and how people see things. People have secret bank accounts and no one should be no one should be spending money secretly you got to be on the same page and you really shouldn't marry someone unless you could get on the same page before you're married not after and that's what this is all about one of my most popular podcasts for for this love you podcast was one about uh uh dating for over two years before you get married and it generates controversy because people say i don't want to date two years before i get married i'm in my 30s uh, i'm or i'm in my 40s or i'm in my 50s or in my 60s i don't have time uh, sometimes you just know and you want to do it these are all the reasons that you take your time to discover who someone is and you don't, you don't do this by quiz you do this by slowly spending time merging lives and and seeing these things as they come up i have stories about all these things coming up because 
I've been with my wife for long enough to have these stories. If you just rush in and marry at the height of passion, you can miss one of these big signs that could destroy your relationship after you're married, and then you become just a statistic. So in the second half of the Love You podcast, I'm gonna tell you the seven other questions you need to ask before you get married. My name's Evan, we'll be right back. Hey, this is Evan Mark Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, your personal trainer for love, welcoming you back to part two of this Love Love You podcast about the 13 questions you should ask before you get married. Just want to remind you, very importantly, that I am offering a very special free gift to podcast listeners. Go to www.evanmarkkatz.com forward slash free dash trial to get two weeks free in my Love You course specifically about confidence past baggage and what I call why bother syndrome. When you're ready to toss in the towel on guys, you need something to turn you around and uh, get the glass half empty to glass half full. And you get two free weeks of videos that are gonna help you do that, uh, just as a gift for being a Love You podcast listener. So thank you. And we're gonna dive right back in to question number seven uh, that you need to ask before you end up getting married, not after. Can you deal with my doing things without you? I always find this fascinating. Uh, because marriage has brought out a different side in me. I mean, you're single for 35 years, you're used to doing everything alone. Um, then you get married and you become kind of almost like delightfully codependent. I mean, my wife, had, my wife is the mayor of town and she knows everybody. She's got 50 moms on speed dial um, because she's at, you know, she's at school and she's doing all those things. I work. So I don't have as many close friends as she does. And when my, my, when my wife is like, I'm going out with my friends for tonight. I'm going on this mommy's night out. I'm like, all right, I'm sure. But it's not like I have anything to do. <laughs> so uh, <coughs> moral of the story is that um, the partner you're with or you have to be very secure with the fact that your partner's gonna have a life outside of you. And you don't have to be attached at the hip to be good relationship partners. Right? You just have to respect the fact that different people have different values and some people are more extroverted, some people are more introverted, and um, some people are committed to their hobbies or their workout routines or their travel. And um, it's not an insult if someone enjoys doing things outside of you. Now, if you're in a relationship and you literally see someone once a week, then you're not in a relationship. You're kind of a, a booty call. Um, but there are marriages where, where people either spends 24 seven together, and then one person is like, okay, this is a little much, and then the other person gets offended. I know of a marriage, it was a 20 year marriage, where she couldn't do anything without him. And it ended up causing them to separate because he was almost, he was almost like a dependent child. Like she wanted to go out with her friends and he wouldn't let her, or he'd put up a fight or something like that. There needs to be autonomy and freedom within a relationship. You don't have to be attached at the hip just because you have a ring on your finger. Number eight, do we like each other's parents? <clears throat> um, it's a good question and it matters more uh, if your parents are around all the time. Um, uh, my mom lives in North Carolina. Uh, we live in California. Uh, she was just out to visit. As it turns out, my mom and, and wife really love each other and they have a great relationship. I'm lucky. Um, but if they didn't get along, it would be fine because we only see them once a year, unfortunately, because of, of where they live. So yes, you're marrying into someone's family, uh, and it can play a role, 
but sometimes people get very cowed by the fact that the parents are different or the parents don't approve. I did a whole podcast about the parents not approving. That only matters if you're gonna see the parents you know, regularly. You don't have to love the parents. You just have to accept the parents um, and have a, a, a division between your nuclear family unit and the parents. Um, it doesn't have to be overt love. If it's overt hate, um, well, that you're again, you're sort of embarking on a rocky road. It's like getting a job at a company where you're, you know, where the CEO hates you and you'll never advance. I mean, you can keep a job at the company, but it might not be the best working environment. So, so uh, do we like each, each other's parents is an interesting question. I don't think it's, it's necessary to really like or love each other's parents as much. Um, but if, if you're in the other direction, if you hate each other's parents, uh, there could be a problem. If they meddle too much, there could be a problem. You need to have boundaries. Number nine, how important is sex to you? Um, I discovered this. Sex was a lot more important when I wasn't getting it. I think that's kind of amusing and maybe even typical. When I was a single guy, man, all I wanted to do was get laid. <laughs> and then when you uh, date someone at the beginning, uh, and it's what you do every second, uh, you know, every, every time you get together, you have sex and it's really exciting because you're not living together and it's, it's the, you know, the, the highlight and the climax of every night. Uh, it's really important. When you get married and you have a couple kids and you're waking up at 6.30 in the morning and you're drained, it's, I've discovered it's not nearly as important and I'm thankful that I have a, a wife who's uh, kind of on the same page as I am. We, we still have regular sex more than a lot of couples that we know who've pretty much given up. Um, we still have regular sex, um, but it's not, you know, it's not the top priority. It's right. It's the, I say it's not the cake. It's the icing on the cake. Uh, a relationship can't be based on sex, even though every relationship should have good sex. So um, I'm working with a client right now who says that uh, she's a high libido. She's in her mid mid fifties. Sex is really really important. She needs a guy who goes, you know, at least three four times a week and. I keep my fingers crossed for her that she finds a 60-year-old guy who's good for three, four times a week because this 44-year-old guy is not good for three, four times a week. And um, uh, I, uh, I, I, I think anybody who's, who's too far at the end of one spectrum or the other, again, we could talk about religion, we could talk about money, um, but if you want it every night um, and you insist on being with someone who wants it every night, that's a challenge. And if you're someone who's largely asexual and you never want it and uh, you, you leave your part, partner wanting, that's a problem too. Um, so uh, these are things to establish over the course of time. The first six months of your relationship, the first year of your relationship may or may not be indicative of how you are once you're living together, once the, the honeymoon phase is worn off, right? The amount that you want each other. So, you know, to think that, oh, we're gonna be going at it like bunnies the way we do in the first six months of the relationship and that's gonna last forever, that may or may not be true. And a lot of relationships were undone by, by divergent libidos uh, once the thrill has worn off after two, two and a half years. Number 10, <clears throat> personal pet project of mine. How far should we take flirting with other people? Is porn okay? Um, I've written extensively about this on my blog, not because uh, I'm uh, always a shameless flirt who embarrasses my wife or, or because I am addicted to porn, neither is true. Um, I, if anything, I push push back very hard against people who get hypersensitive about that. The idea that if you're talking to someone of the opposite sex who has who happens to be cute, that you're being disrespe disrespectful to your partner. Uh, the idea that uh, you could find someone else attractive uh, and acknowledge that you find someone else attractive 
doesn't have to be destructive. The, the idea that you could have a private fantasy life as long as it doesn't interfere with your regular sex life, um, that doesn't have to be a negative thing. So I, I don't, again, that's my personal take on it. Uh, your mileage may vary. Uh, I would never suggest someone who is a porn addict or someone who goes out to parties and gets numbers of other women. That is, those are extreme examples and, and we tend to be skewed by those extreme, exa extreme examples. But the 80% of people in the middle of the bell curve, I, you know, again, I would be very, very easygoing and permissive about that. Um, there's a big difference between uh, acknowledging someone's beauty or uh, making a stranger smile of the opposite sex and actually taking action on that. Um, but some people are particularly sensitive and you sensitive people need to be with other sensitive people. Uh, people like me will drive you nuts the way I've driven many girlfriends nuts. Uh, I'm just, again, very grateful. I have a wife who, who sees things like I do. She goes on a, uh, on a trip to Mexico with her friends and she tells me how she got hit on by some 30-year-old guy who tried to kiss her at his own bachelor party. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm glad you could still pull guys who are 17 years younger than you. Good for you, honey. Um, Number 11, number 11 question you need to ask before you get married. Uh, this is, again, we can, we can spend a half hour talking about this, easy. Do you speak all five love languages? This is Dr. Gary Chapman's book. Um, it, it feels like a must read for any couple. Uh, the five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, touch, gifts, and acts of service. These are five different ways in, in which you express affection and desire. Uh, and it's important to speak in your partner's love language, right? The, the best example from that book, the most memorable example from that book is the wife who thinks she's an amazing wife because she makes her husband dinner every night. That's her act of service. That's the way she likes to receive love. That's the way she likes to give love. The husband is completely dissatisfied with the marriage because she never has sex with him. So she thinks she's the world's best wife because she cooks him dinner, but he is completely dissatisfied because she doesn't touch him. And so it's important to be able to know what the love languages are and give the way your partner wants to receive and be in touch with those things are. You can go to the five love languages and take a quiz and figure out the answers to these questions or you can join Love You because we use the five love languages quiz in Love You um, and uh, you can love you for free. Number 12, what do you admire about me? Not me, your partner. And what are your pet peeves? Which is to say that you should have a transparent relationship. It's important to give positive affirmation to your partner and let your partner know why they make you happy. Just last night or this morning, I told my wife that I was really grateful to her and impressed with her. Being a stay-at-home mom is a really hard job, especially the way she does it, because she takes on all these other duties, you know, planning, you know, planning this thing for the PTA and planning this thing and planning my son's birthday party and and she's up until four in the morning and she's, she's got laundry duties by herself. And, and I just let her know that I appreciated all she was doing and I know how hard she was working. Um, that's, you know, it's an unsung thing. It's just you, it's stuff you expect to get done. Um, she, from time to time, will remember to, to, to thank me for <clears throat> working so hard to provide this life where we can do the things that we want and with our kids and take vacations and buy things. And, and instead of just taking it for granted that, well, this is, you know, this is what I married into. Um, and similarly, pet peeves, essentially just admitting your weaknesses. What kind of relationship would we have if we had to pretend that we had no weaknesses? If our par partners were so blind as to not even acknowledge our weaknesses, I could joke about how I'm a know-it-all and how I'm really fragile and I get hurt easily. Uh, I used to be athletic, but I'm not anymore. <laughs> 
Um, and my wife can joke about how she's slow and a poor time manager and OCD and a hoarder. And if we pretended that these things didn't exist, we'd be in like a cauldron, right? This world where we can't admit reality. It's very healthy to know who you are and know how you're perceived and be able to take a joke about it. Uh, at least that's my experience uh, in eight years of being married. Um, to express gratitude, right? A lot of gratitude for your partner and then be able to laugh at your own foibles. And number 13, how do you see us 10 years from now? Um, uh, can't tell you how many people come to me and say, I, you know, I was with this guy for a year and a half and then he told me he never wanted to get married. Um, and he said it pretty much at the beginning, I'm not looking for anything serious. And she sort of swept it under the rug because it was inconvenient and he was being really nice and he treated her, he was a great boyfriend. He just never had the goal of getting married again. Right? He got burned in his first marriage, uh, divorce cleaned him out didn't want the piece of paper, the commitment, it was too much for him. So he could be a great boyfriend, but he never wants to be a husband, but she wants to be a wife. Well, that's, there's two people with different goals, just like you know, one person wants kids, one person doesn't. So how do you see us 10 years from now? It's A, not just a marriage question, but it's a life vision question. Do you see yourself retired in the country? Do you see yourself downsizing and moving to the city? Right, do you see yourself still working hard um, in, well into your 60s? Or do you see yourself taking your foot off the gas, taking off Fridays? Um, you know, uh, 10 years from now, our kids are going to be in high school. Um, and I'm not looking any, anywhere past that. <laughs> My wife and I both signed on for that one when we decided to have kids. So, um, how do you see us 10 years from now is a, is a vision question. And you want to make sure before you get married that you're, you're driving on the long-term, same long-term destination. You have a GPS and you might take some different turns along the way, but you have to if you're driving from California to New York, you need to kind of have the same destination. You can't just have these tangents and hope to work them out if, if you haven't discussed them and you're not on the same page with them. So we're gonna sum up here. I know I'm moving a million miles a minute. How do you handle conflict, family, past baggage, religion, money, independence, family, sex, flirting, porn, love languages, strengths and weaknesses, your future, my readers, my listeners, my followers, we all spend so much time trying to find someone who checks the boxes. He's tall and he's sexy and he's rich and he's charismatic. And we stop to consider these crucial issues, right? The ones that really are gonna determine whether you're happy, right? Whether you get along with each other's family, whether you wanna get married, whether you're on the same page with money and how you display affection. And where to me, this is the central lesson and one of the, the, the through lines throughout my Love You course. This is why this is the Love You podcast. You could have the perfect man, right? The one that you designed in your dreams. But if you want help with the kids and he doesn't want to do diapers, there's going to be friction. Um, so ask yourself these 13 questions, right? And I hope you wrote them down. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we put graphics up on the screen. Um, before you make any big life decisions, not after, all right? Um, and speaking of big life decisions, I, I really want to encourage you to take advantage of this offer. This is something I just decided to do, uh, spirit of generosity. Um, I talk to so many women who lack confidence. They like themselves, they know who they are, they're, they're successful, they're independent, they're, they're wonderful. They don't have confidence when it comes to men. It's the only thing that hasn't come easily. They got everything but the guy. And for that reason, I decided to give you a big shot of confidence in your left arm. Um, and it's in the form of my Love You podcast. Not my Love You podcast, my Love You course. Um, all you have to do is click on the link below, 
www.evanmarkkatz.com forward slash free dash trial. Go to my website, give me your email address, and I'm going to give you the gift of a lifetime. It's a couple hours of video um, that are instantly going to reframe the negativity of your past, right? help you embrace the present, get over the guy who's been, been torturing you in your head, and be able to move on and realize that love is meant for you. This is not for other people. You can have everything you've ever wanted in a man. You can have this goofy relationship that I talk about all the time which is filled with unconditional love and peace and joy and happiness. It can be yours, but you have to do something differently. So sign up to get two free weeks in Love You. If you enjoy it, you can continue. If you don't, it is just my gift to you. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to follow me on Facebook and on Twitter and go to www.evanmarkkatz.com. Give me your name and email address and I will give you free dating and relationship advice, including two free weeks in Love You for as long as you need free dating and relationship advice. I love you, I appreciate you, I thank you for listening to me on the Love You podcast, and I will see you again next week. We're gonna be talking about combining your head and your heart in making decisions. It's definitely something you need to tune, in, tune into, so thanks for your time. Okay.